I'm walking in the baking late afternoon sun. I've been talking to Giovanni, a day laborer. Every day to get to work, he takes a Vaporetto, a kind of bus, except it's a boat. Giovanni comes to work in the Arsenal, handing out sun-baked bricks stamped with Chinese characters which read, Ne travailler jamais. It translates to, never work. These bricks are free to visitors if they make a 10 euro donation. Giovanni spends the day carefully wrapping these bricks and passing them out. This is an artwork by Rickert Terra Venetia, and it is characteristic of the type of problematic works which populate the Venice Biennale. For another work by Terra Venetia, he hired Thai artists to make pencil drawings of photojournalist pictures of demonstrators. Well, today on our program, Labor Pain, pretending to be something you're not. From Calo Media Empire, it's I Don't Hate This, the Avantis Guard podcast. I'm Eric Wenzel. Stay with us. Coming up, Act One. Marks my words. <laughs> How's that? Oh my god, I love you so much. <laughs> Wait, are we still... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just such an NPR I, fan, girl. I love it. I, it, I I did basically everything except drop the mic after I did that. I like folded <laughs> up my iPad, like took off my headphones. Like I was like, all right, <laughs> that's a wrap. What do you think he does after he says that? I, he fucking drops Stay the with mic. Us. Yeah. That's why I wanted to be like. This uh, week on, on This I Don't Hate This. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want because I went to see Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me this week, and I wanted to be like live from the uh, from Hello New Media <laughs> Empire <laughs> Studios in Ravenswood, Chicago. It's I Don't Hate This. Here's your host, Neil Lidhoff. Nina Lidhoff, and I'm Carl Castle. But isn't it now Bill Curtis? It is Bill Curtis. He's actually Bill really Curtis. funny. <laughs> oh, I love Bill Curtis. He, he was snazzy. He's like a, a... He's a legendary news anchor. Yeah, no, but I was trying to think of how he talks he's on... much saucier than Carl Castle. Oh, yeah. Much he's... saucier. Yeah, but I, I bet Carl Castle's dirtier. He's like kinkier. <gasps> yeah. Ew. You know it. You know it, girl. My mom said she knew it was time for him to retire because she could hear his dentures clicking on the radio. Oh, because he'd be like, I'm Carl Castle. <laughs> Go That's a deep cut for you. Uh, or if you're me and that was the last time you listened was when the World Cup happened. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so. Hi. So, act one. Act one. Uh cleaning up after last week <laughs> so it turns out i did see in zurich the uh yeah act one uh unfinished business this time it's personal this time it's personal personal business day off um so i did see the piet mondrian that i wrote about as an example of a shitty pondrit mondrian did everything that. like come together were you just like I was like, that's a fucking sweet-ass Piet Mondrian. I'm like, there's so much red. And then I was looking at it later. I was like, oh, my God, this is the one. So what you're saying is you were an idiot in the past. No, I, I developed. I think it's true. People say people can't change. But people do change. Some women tell you you're a fool to change a man. But those women are quitters. <laughs> well, as a... Uh, uh, I was going to say Jerry Saltz, Jerry Springer, basically <laughs> the same the thing. Same. It's the same. Oh, yeah. So this, yeah, actually, this is usually stuff you say for the end of podcast, but these are a quick item, few items to uh, 
you know, clean out. Uh, what are they? So housekeeping. Yeah, yeah. What do, what would we call like the erratum? You know, like instead the of like kimono. That's for next week, though. Okay. Um, like you know, if we get around to it on Tumblr, <laughs> instead of talking points, we call them lecture notes. So what we the call miscellaneous like, miscellany, yeah, erratum, Popery. and cetera. I I we could call it that and cetera. So it's like ampersand and then ce. Oh, ampersands are so arty. I can't. I love them. I can't. Go. I hate when you see the word and written a bunch of times. Oh yeah. I guess I I bought that T-shirt that has a giant ampersand on it. Yeah. I'll wear that next week. I am going to name my first child ampersand, and then their middle name's going to be Rand. Rand. So it'll be and Rand. That's terrible. Why would you do that to a human child? And then their second middle name's going to be Botulism. (laughs) Actually, if my sister's listening out there, she will remember that uh, for many years I've maintained that I will name my children Montoya Prince Water Wenzel. And for the boy and Montoya Queen Water Wenzel for the girl. Oh, God. And it may surprise you or not that I came up with that when I was about nine years old. How will you tell them apart? She said the same thing, because if it's their middle name, that that is the difference. Mm-hmm. But I just think you call the whole, it's the whole name. You'd be like, it's like if Montoya <laughs> Prince Water, it's time for... No, Wenzel, the whole thing. Oh, the whole thing? Oh, okay. Yeah. You yeah, can just I mean, call like, them by their initials. Do you think like uh, Nicholas Cage's wife at home just says like Nick, honey? She's like Nicholas Cage. We're going to dinner. <laughs> like Charlie, like Charles Ray. Yeah. I. He, she only. She only. Well, I don't even know. Well, anyway, we're getting we're getting off topic. We are really know. getting off topic. And there's enough. That's why people listen to podcasts, right? Right. Um, so the first thing to get out of the way that I did in uh, at the Zurich Kunsthaus Zurich see the Piet Mondrian painting that I earlier wrote about, um, and also what I thought was curious uh, in the book that I saw in the at the time when I wrote the essay, it was in a collection in Japan, I believe, a, possibly a Japanese bank, mm. but now it's in the collection of the Kunsthaus, and I also wonder mm. if that had something to do with the the huge. Japanese economic collapse in the 90s. Are you certain that it was the same work and not like, I mean, they're they're similar. But they were like super similar. Okay. And like I said, I've never seen one with that big of a red square before. (laughs) I was like, I'd remember that red square anywhere. I was like, this is highly unorthodox. Okay. So that's taken care of. Other I have thing. a miscellany. Oh, okay, good. Um, This, uh, you know, the app Time Hop that tells you whatever you did no. that day in history? No. And by that, I mean whatever you posted to Facebook. Okay. One year ago today, two One years year ago t- today, whatever it tells uh, you. you know, it, goes uh, back a throwback time. Thursday, if yes, you will. Yes, indeed. So um, here- Or a throwback <laughs> Tuesday, is that sometimes a thing? Way back Wednesday. Flashback Friday. Fat flashback Friday. It could be any day. It gives it to you every day. <laughs> Manic Monday. <laughs> Wacky Wednesday. Um, um, Friday, I'm in love with you. What's another day of the week? Uh, Sunday. Okay. Sunday's so anyway. child's learn to tie his bootlace. How? Okay, no more Beatles because that broke the uh, microphone last time. It didn't break the microphone. <laughs> it broke the receiver box to the no, computer. It didn't. It didn't or break that either. I don't understand the receiver box. Whatever. Um, okay. it, it broke the wooden box of lightning. 
So here was my my status. Um, I don't. I think this was from probably like six years ago today. I don't. I guess I could look. Hold on, one. A it was six years ago today. All right. Da, 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 da. Come on. So this is back when um, uh, Facebook. Um, What's called the Facebook? No, I was not old enough then to be on the Facebook. This was six years ago today. I thought they were being ironic when people called it that. Like, you know how that was a trend? You just put the in front of stuff. <laughs> um, and this is when Facebook had your name and then you would like attribute the oh, status yeah. to yourself. So like Nina is or whatever. So the status was six years ago today. Nina is trying to pretend that she is not bored to tears by this new art history textbook. <laughs> and then my dad uh, commented on it. Maybe you can watch the movie version of the book. <laughs> Of course, that is, in fact, the uh, I'm I don't know for sure because I don't say which one, but I'm like certain that it's the um, art of of the 1900s. The one oh, the, uh, by the October crew. Yeah. The one where the, the four friends. Yeah. It's like friends, except awful because they hang around uh, Yale. Is that where? <laughs> Probably. That's one of those. Art yeah. School, I don't know. What's schools? one of those asshole academic? No. Um, but uh, what's his name? Oh, look, Eve Allen threw up in the punch bowl. Who's the guy from that thing? You know the guy. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Do that, that guy. thing you do. You know that guy that's part of that thing. Well, I believe the October Crew is like three dudes and a lady. Okay, well, like three what's men the and a little lady. Guy? They're all famous. It's a uh, Benjamin H. D. Buclo. Okay, no. Uh, Hal Foster. Yes, Hal Foster. He was speaking at the Art Institute. Yeah. On Thursday, but I missed it. What was he speaking about? Because I Charles was like, wait, wait, don't tell me. Yeah, Charles Ray. He wait, emailed Foster? me one is he time. Wait, but wasn't it Michael? F- Do you have the book that he wrote? Is he the one that wrote Four Honest Outlaws? I don't know. on the bookstore. Maybe that I believe that was actually Michael Freed. How uh, Foster but sounds Hal Foster, like he'd be into like, Charles Ray. But those two, I have both editions of those art in, in the 1900s, or what is it called? Is that what it's called? Art There's, since 1900. Thank I you. It's two volumes. Art and in so the 1900s. I read the first. We were signed the first volume, and I was like, "Oh, this is so boring." And then, of course, then I took uh, contemporary art history, and he's like, "Guess which book you have? Volume two. And I was like, "Oh, wah, no. wah, Ricky." I, I still have them. I did not get rid of them in my decluttering. Process. You know what? The most the thing where I was like, "Right, that's it." Sorry, I was like, "Right." That's it. <laughs> no yelling. Um, when those came out, and then like it's all okay my. It's okay to yell. Okay. I'll just turn it down. Okay. Thanks, um, producer Andre. When I was like. Of the Calaminium Empire. The Calaminium? <laughs> yes. We, disco- we discovered Calaminium. <laughs> it's highly radioactive. Oh my God. My mom's friend's cat is radioactive. <laughs> What? She had a thyroid issue and they had to bombard it oh. with radiation. Mm-hmm. And uh, Does your like, mom's friend have a Geiger counter now? Just like runs it over well, the cat and it's I like, I think beep, the radiation beep, beep, wore beep, off. Beep, 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 beep. But they were like, your cat can't sleep with you while she's radioactive. <laughs> and I think she did what any good cat parent would do and you're just like, fuck it, I want snuggles. Oh, what if she gets what if she's like Mary Curie and like it's just like and the cat gets a Nobel Peace Prize or yeah Nobel's exactly Prize for science exactly all right what was your last piece of potpourri oh I've got a couple um 
so remember the other episode where I was trying to remember the great museum overheard? Yes. Um, we were on the elevator in the Modern Wing of the Art Institute, and as they have little, they have little pictures of the art that's on view, and it's always funnier when that art is long gone. So, uh, like a clown torture, is their picture? Is a picture, and this kid on the elevator said, "Oh, I wish we were going to see the clown." <laughs> And I was just Sorry, like, "Sorry, kid." Oh man! So I thought that was pretty great. I was actually like too scared to go see clown torture because I was scared it was going to be like scary and <laughs> it's funny. I mean, it's supposed to be. Kind if you of funny. can handle that, then I think you can handle the Simpsons Halloween episodes. No, those are scary. They aren't. Someone always gets beheaded in them, and I hate beheadings. Oh, you know how I feel about beheadings. <laughs> you do. I've never gotten but over you so telling me fucking funny that David Smith got beheaded. Oh, yeah. I never got over that. He totally got beheaded. Do you guys know about that? Yeah, Okay, guys, no one's saying yes, so <laughs> I'll tell the story. Oh, God. Don't tell it graphically because you know oh. how I feel about beheading, even though I know I brought it up. Okay. So um, <laughs> the story is that David Smith was driving around with big, heavy sheets of metal. He's uh, an ar- artist. He's he an artist. sculptures that are big and made of metal. Yes, he's like an abstract expressionist sculptor. Um, one of the few, uh, you know, the, so he has one of the things he's known for are the QBs or the cubies, which are like, QBs. um, sort of like lozenge, lozenge shaped sculptures, multifaceted, but they still kind of look flat. Um, I believe it was Michael Fried that was into him because they, they were talking about the way you could fit his sculptures into modernism. It's like if you took a bunch of metal and threw it up in the air and froze it. And you were looking at it two-dimensionally. <laughs> Whoa. Um, but he was driving. He got in a car accident. And I believe he rear-ended someone or anything, something like that. He had to stop short. So he was either he himself was rear-ended or had to uh, hit something and came to an abrupt halt, um, causing, uh, uh. illustrating the point of an object in motion stands tends to stay in motion and that's all we have to say about that so the, you guys can figure out the rest the sheets of metal no. uh slid through the back of the pickup truck okay through the all. rear window i'm not going to talk about the blood <laughs> oh was there so <laughs> much was blood too much. too much already okay so yoink uh he, he got the old <laughs> circumcision <laughs> all right moving on <laughs> um so clown torture um, that was the miscellany. Yeah. The other one is Wait, I just. I was. Oh, I had a good overheard at IKEA today. Somebody, okay. Somebody IKEA said, is like kind of an art museum. <laughs> to Guyman, there it is. Um, somebody was like, <laughs> it was so funny. I can't even get it out. He, <laughs> and you went to IKEA without asking if I wanted to go. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I went with my brother. Maybe I wanted some simple modern design <laughs> that. It's cheap. I can't go with you to Ikea anymore because we spend like seven hours But it's like there. the funnest. It's oh, my God. Fun. What did we it's spend? So, it is like the funnest time, though, ever. It's pretty fun. Um, the guy said, I bet I would drink more orange juice if I got a carafe. <laughs> did he get it? I don't know. You should have followed him around the store. <laughs> He's oh, like, my God. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Okay. Um, um, so the last, <laughs> the last one, I want to throw a little shade. We caught Jerry Saltz for insulting um, disabled people on his Twitter, and no one saying anything. Ugh, 
guy. He had a What'd photograph of a, a a service dog, and he says, nothing says hashtag white privilege like a comfort animal. Um, what? <laughs> nothing says hashtag white privilege like, like uh, a Iraq war vet with PTSD or a person with autism. Yeah. Oh. Um, or people in hospices that have animals that come by. Um, right. Epileptics. So, epileptics, yeah. yeah. Um, so, good job, Jerry Saltz. Thank you. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> thank, thank, thanks for that. Um, um, also, if anyone is wondering, my dad did tell me you can be written a prescription for a comfort animal if you really do have anxiety and having an animal will help calm you. Holy shit. Did they come in a big plastic tub? <laughs> you can, yes, at Target with like a child safety lock. Also, you can uh, you can request whatever kind of animal you want. So like if you want a pig or like a therapy horse. <laughs> I did see, that. I learned about a therapy donkey on uh, Discovery Channel when it still had useful information. And um, they were saying that one of the reasons why his name was like, I don't know, Donk. Donk, the therapy donkey. Donk, the therapy donkey. <laughs> um, donkey, too. He's very peaceful and calm, but people in the nursing home and hospitals liked it because he was the right height where he could like look you in the eye, you know? Like mm-hmm. they could have, like, you know, they like dogs sitting in your lap and things like that, but he had this certain like size relatability and i just mm-hmm. you know i'll just never forget that phrase we, therapy uh, donkey we brought rocky in as a therapy animal to the nursing home one time and he, he just barked somewhere. at the birds no he barked <laughs> he barked at the birds but i'm pretty sure that was the day that i met ed paschke's wife she was um in the nursing home and we brought her <laughs> dog to visit her oh i thought i was gonna have a much more funny morbid ending like and then and Rocky the cut her head off. <laughs> no. She she was also an artist guitar. and painter and she had like paint stuff in her mm-hmm. in her room. Cool. Yeah. So would Rocky so my... sit on the person's bed of who's next gonna die? Like that cat? No. Is this like the octopus that can pick the World Cup winners? Like, until it died. It died? Yeah. <gasps> Does that like... mean the World Cup is never gonna happen again? Well, if FIFA has anything to do with it. <laughs> No, there was this cat that lived in a hospice, and he'd like That's chill out so... with people, like they were, and then they would start dying. That's like, and then they ooh. found out the cat was putting arsenic in their mouth. Ooh, it <laughs> sounds like something a cat would do. Um, all right, well, they... so and is that any other miscellany? I don't think so. Okay, good. So, so as per our intro, yes, Act I... Two, the act... real, the real Act One. <laughs> Act two, the head just fell on the floor. Everything's falling. Uh, yes, I s- recently summered in Venice Biennale. I summered. How posh. Well, yeah. So I don't know. Ask me questions. Yeah. Okay. So I. Don't I know liked, what the Venice Biennale. Is. Yeah, I liked that intro because I was like, I can picture it, but I really don't know anything about the venice biennale I, that's not true but i just feel like it's something tell mysterious. me what you think it is well okay so it's an art fair but it goes on way longer than i thought it's like for months um yeah and then like and by art fair do you mean it's like kunstverkaufen <laughs> yeah <laughs> no okay okay like if like is it a, in a tent well, every there's a pavilion for every country, mm-hmm. and um, 
I guess, like, I thought the pavilions were literally, like, a pavilion. Like, not, like, a tent, but, like, a little, um, like, at a uh, street fair where they sell jewelry. And there's, like, a little, you know. Uh, a hut? A little hut. Like yes. a sunglass hut? I thought they were, like, little huts. But then I saw <gasps> a picture and they were not. They were fucking buildings. I just had an idea for an American. This is what, anything we say on the podcast, copyright unless we're quoting something <laughs> without permission. <laughs> <laughs> Which is always, Then it's on. held, but we could, because the, they're always like, you know, America, well, I guess we have the Whitney Biennial, but we don't have, this is something we could do in Chicago. We could do it in the suburbs in one of the empty malls. And every country's pavilion would be one of the fucking like former Ooh. Claire's boutique. Would that not be fucking cool? Yeah, that'd be cool. Nothing more American than than an abandoned mall. That'd be cool. Okay, so okay, they have so I these thought little they were like little they huts, but they're I think they're buildings. They the picture that I saw it looked like um you, you know saw the a rep- picture of the Venice Biennale. Yeah, like the reptile house at the zoo, or like where the penguins live. You know, you like go in. It's Wait, like, I don't think the penguins live in the reptile house. <laughs> no, no, no. Like you know, there's a different house. Oh, that's another idea. Go to the zoo and switch <laughs> the animals. Like. Like, uh, it's like wife swap, except it's like, these penguins are going to see what it's like to live as a reptile on animal swap. <laughs> Copyright. Um, so <laughs> I thought you were going to say you switch out all the animals for art. No. Uh, <laughs> no, the art would be switching the animals for each other. You know, because people like this is like a, you know, a challenge, a barrier to entry is that like some people don't really like cultural things. They only they like attractions like zoos, for example. <laughs> so you can force them to look at art by just switching out all the animals with art. No. <laughs> anyway, so I think every country's house, it's like the, the monkey house <laughs> or like the reptile house or like where... The Regenstein Ape House. Yeah. Or the Regenstein House of Apes. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's what Ron the of Japan's are House like. of Apes. Um, and then uh, then there's like art in them and it's probably like trying to be political. Mm-hmm. In my mind, none of the art is for sale. Um, and then... Um, well, okay, because I've How never been to happen? Venice... <laughs> every two years yeah. that one i'm okay with um i've never been to venice so i imagine that it's like on this like floating island or something but like i don't know like in my head i know that venice is all water but i can't even visualize what that would be like so well it's not all water i mean obviously <laughs> um well first of all okay so, so how accurate going. was that uh, and it's out- outdoors, it's like a mall, you know, you're like walking around outdoors. And like, you're like uh, what is it, Old go. Orchard or something? Yeah. No, Old Orchard isn't. No, you're right. I yes, think that's an outdoor is. mall. It is an outdoor mall, yeah. It's so funny they're going back to that. Outdoor malls? When malls were first done, they they didn't have roofs. And then they started building with roofs, and then they started getting the old malls and being like, we're going to roof over this old mall that used to not be having roofs. And now they're all like... The most bougie upscale mall is outside. Well, because Americans don't like um, air or like nature. So I I think Americans don't like the thing that they have. They want the other thing. (laughs) Well, now rich Americans can afford to be outside but still be in a mall. Well, I don't think it costs money to get into a mall. (laughs) 
Yeah, but if you have to be there, it if you does, have to ask, you can't afford it. It doesn't cost money to be in a mall, so then the dad can be like, I feel like I'm just wasting money walking around here. <laughs> you need Antian's pretzels every couple of hours. That costs money. Yeah. Um. So how close was I? Were well, there any baboons at this? Uh, no, but the first one I went to had chimpanzees. Really? Yeah. Live chimpanzees? Well, they weren't there by the time I got there. It was this really epic thing that everyone says was the best thing ever. It was the Utopia Station done by Hansel Rick Oberst. And it's like cited as this super, I think it was Hansel Rick Oberst, but it was cited as this like the epitome of relational aesthetics. And it was so important. They're like, oh, we've never had like a fucking open-ended conference and sitting on beanbags in a art biennale before and i was there at the opening i had a press pass this is right after i got out of undergrad and i can tell you that was all fucking bullshit because no one had any idea what the fuck was going on it was hot there was like shit where you're like these are posters for some event that i'm not invited to and also i don't care and so it was like they got the photo op to put in all the art books in the future but at the time it was just like this is stupid um i just feel like i've but there, and that was the thing because I, I saw. Understand. I can't picture. I can't visualize I what saw, you're talking. I have no idea what you're talking about. I saw images of that installation, and there were chimpanzees in it, and they're like, "This is so fucking important." There have never been chimps in art before. <laughs> oh my god! And Why? I was like, "There weren't any fucking chimps when I was there, and I was at the press day." Like, well, well, how come I wasn't invited? Who's having a chimp party without me? <laughs> How do I get in on these chimps? <laughs> uh, uh, I just like the more I hear about this Biennale, the less sense it makes to me. I don't, I can't, I don't understand. I just don't understand. Okay. So also, also okay. Yes. Also, I didn't know how to pronounce biennial for like a thousand years because of the Venice Biennale. So yeah. I was like, wait, so well, is that, it, which one is it? <laughs> well, it's Italian for uh, twice yearly. I know. Uh, no, it's <laughs> Italian for every two years. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Actually, how the hell would you have something twice Semi-annual? yearly? Semi-annual. <laughs> well, didn't you tell me that the Whitney Biennial was every two years? You were just like, yeah. now it's just perpetually just... It is every two years. It's no, no. I meant um, twice a year. You just told me like there's always a Whitney Biennial going oh. on and uh, somewhere. Yeah, you you made some joke that was funny, People but I can't remember it. It was something sex. like uh, you know, just bring back a T-shirt that was like I went to the Whitney Biennial and all I got was this T-shirt because it's constantly going. I don't remember. And then the back said, you know, because it's constantly going on. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the Venice Biennale was founded in the 1800s at some point. Um, and it was like a, for the wedding of the King of Egypt or something. <laughs> the King of Italy. Uh, uh, that makes more sense. So it's it like was, Oktoberfest, but for, uh, it was something like Italians. that. But even in the 1850s or whatever, it was like a tourist trap. And they're like, like October. They're like, how can we get people here? Um, because Venice once was a great power. Um, I learned a lot about Venice. See, this, this, I would say this has happened twice now where I'm like, Venice, the city is so fucking cool mm-hmm. <laughs> and learning about it because I like learning about history and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's way more interesting than contemporary art. <laughs> <laughs> and um, there's a lot to. Art history is history. Yeah. 
Well, that's why I saw some Titians in the ceiling. Um, and so it all started because there was all this strife and shit and these fisher folk started uh, going into the lagoon. Um, so Venice is in a lagoon and then there's a string of islands uh, at the edge of the lagoon that separate it from the Adriatic Sea. Um, and people started settling there to avoid, you know, the Goths and the Visigoths and the uh, uh, Mongols, possibly the mm-hmm. Carolingians, the Merovingians. Everyone in the olden times was trying to kill everyone. everyone. Yeah, so they they would go because it wasn't worth the raiders' effort to try to uh, follow them into the, the lagoon. It was it was good defense, so they started settling there. And then um, it became a water power. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes stuff's water powered. <laughs> what? Um, Sometimes so you became, have a water bed. Yeah, they were. Uh, yeah, they built up settlements, and that was the thing I found interesting because I'm like, there's so many fucking churches here, and it really is like it's Italy. Well, yeah, but I mean, these are like all like it's like church 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 and it's a super dense city you know right on the water and it's because each of those little islands was like settled by different settlements and so each settlement would be settled around a church with a little piazza um but like sometimes they're like i don't know like the size of a two-bedroom apartment or something Mm. they're small um and so they're all little islands and they built them out and I was always wondering about that, like, because they were like, oh, they just drive wooden piles into the um, soil. But I was like, what the hell does that really mean? And I was, the fuck are you <laughs> doing? The She's just, like, back. chopping off heads and they're falling all over the place. <laughs> um, I don't know. So I was just really fascinated about how you would actually, like, build up buildings and things like that. So, like, I would be really interested in it. And then every night I'd go back to my hotel and then, like, watch videos and archaeology and uh engineering on youtube yeah i found some really great videos like well illustrating exactly how it works because you because you wonder like you see like marble going right into the water Mm. or bricks going right into the water and you're like is this like i know it was built around canals and lagoons but like some of this you're like is it like a whole fountain like you imagine that maybe the bottom's paved too and then it just filled in with water (laughs) So it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of fascinating. Then you learn about how the water It's not, right? No. <laughs> don't leave me in suspense on no. that one. That sounds so cool. Well, I don't know. I literally was wondering that for years until I like saw a really well, you know, something that only in these newfangled times where you have really great flash animation. <laughs> Vector-based an- after effects animation that like shows you how bricks and stuff fill in the dirt. I don't know. It's just really fascinating. And then you'd be walking yeah, well, around the I next day. Yeah, I always think day. like. Uh, well, okay, <laughs> it's not ancient <laughs> when Venice was built, but like when it you was, are... it's over a thousand years old. Oh, really? Yeah, that was. I was like, holy shit, that's, that's fucking old. <laughs> yeah, well, I just think ancient like, engineering ships, is... thousand year old city. What the fuck? <laughs> it's ama- Like ancient engineering is amazing. Yeah, like like Hagia Sophia. That's yeah. not. Well, it the, is the more... Scottish Church. Hmm. The Hagia Sophia. In Turkey? Oh, I thought you said Haggis. <laughs> no, Haggia. Oh. Um, it's like so big. I know that sounds crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, I can't believe that they were able to engineer a dome that big. 
um, or the whole city of Jerusalem. So ancient. And I stole your tape. I see that. Well, because you kept dropping it on the floor. Heads and will roll. Like... <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know. I'm just I got really fascinated in that. And then you'd be walking around the city, and then you'd be like, "Oh, I see exactly the evidence they're talking about about how the water's rising above certain." layers of stone that were waterproof so now it's eroding the stuff above it or you'd see how they like bricked in places that used to be water level and now it would flood the whole building and all this stuff and i was just i was really fascinated by yeah. it yeah i mean i did get the sense of like just here like seeing your pictures on instagram that you were like way more interested in being in venice yeah. than going to the well they have, they have a lot of cool museums and stuff too mm-hmm. um old stuff but uh, you thought the new stuff was like, eh. Yeah, it was okay. I mean, well, that was, I was like, well, if there's one thing, if I can see one thing that's like good art. So should I talk about that or save it to the end? Well, yeah, no, I actually feel that way whenever, I've not been to a lot of art fairs, but like, I'm like, I just need to see one thing that's good. That and makes then it I worthwhile. Like, yeah, because it's just, I hate it. It's like. It's like you're just sitting there and it's like going past your eyes and you can't even, mm-hmm. you're like, wah, 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 wah. Well, it was pretty rough because I take a long time looking and this was like a <laughs> yeah. job. You, it was so, the way you described it when you came home, you were like, oh, it was like, okay, well, I, I got up and then I had breakfast and I was walking around. Okay, and the thing opens at 11 and then it closes at 5 and I only have that much. And you know how long it takes me to look at things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so like I would spend the whole day, and it's like quitting time, and I'm like, oh fuck, because every and you're like every time you time think you get to the end, then it's like you turn a corner, and then it's another huge hall. Right. So the two main venues are the Giardini, the garden, which has those little huts you're talking about. The are pavilions. they really like little huts? No, they're like little temples. Okay. So like the state, the best one is the United States because they're all written in Italian. So it says "Stati Uniti," <laughs> and it looks like a Greek temple or you know like that fucking American like neoclassical bullshit like mm-hmm, George mm-hmm. Washington dollar bills and <laughs> fucking know, all seeing eye whatever fucking dick dicks like coming White all over House the place and whatever yeah fucking cherry trip tree, tree <laughs> choppers. <laughs> Um, wait, so are they permanent structures or do they yeah. build new ones for each one? No, they're permanent. Then what but do then they do the when they add a new have country? have to like rent an apartment. Yeah. So then there's all these venues that are, there's like 300 venues like not there. And then like, so like one of the new loser countries that like got formed after the fall of the Soviet Union, they have to like rent an apartment in Venice <laughs> for three months. Uh, so I didn't even get to those this time. What do you think is the loserest country? Uh, I don't know. You're not going to. You're I'm just not going to stay with diplomatic on that one. Yes. This is, I don't want to cause an international incident. What's the coolest country? Uh, well, I'll say Albania because that was my favorite pavilion. Okay. Um, I'm also remembering that. You mean all white with red eyes? <laughs> You're such an idiot. <laughs> uh, I was also saying that to myself because I was laughing at your joke. Like, don't do it. Name that Simpsons episode. Oh. Oh, fuck you twice. <laughs> and I'm also trying to hurriedly look up the names of the two artists of the things that I saw that were the best things in Venice. <laughs> yeah, I don't I remember totally... artists' names either. Well, this is going to make me sound like such a piece of shit. I don't doubt it. <laughs> 
But the you fucking bitch, what are you doing? You are like you're just knocking stuff off. I'm like, like I thought I took that away from cat. You and are like, fuck this and fuck that thing too. And like I thought it, I'm like I thought I took that away from you. I thought you stole it from me without me noticing. No, you just found new things to knock on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's gonna make you sound like a piece of shit? Um, I saw a show of Weimar era art. That's your favorite. It's my favorite, but I went to Venice to see the Biennale, but the Neue Sachlichkeit exhibition in the Museo Correr uh, was fucking awesome. Because <laughs> German art is the best. Okay. It was. Nice well, try, and then, Italy. <laughs> and I also felt like I learned my lesson because then I've been re-listening to older episodes. And I was like, fuck yeah, I totally know the answer to the new woman question. Because I was like, they had a whole room of that shit. Yeah. Um, so actually, the two best the things I saw that were in Venice, they were two photographs. Uh, one was a small one, maybe five by seven inches, black and white, of a cacti. Cactus. Single. Singular. Um, by a woman whose name I will look up. <laughs> and I just fucking like, that's that moment, you know, like. Uh, like in the the story Rene Ricard told about like sitting and staring at a Warhol when the first time he saw it. Like, can you tell us that story? Oh boy, because I don't know. I mean, not everyone's read your piece about no, Rene I know. Ricard, um, and I don't remember that anecdote. So Rene Ricard talked about like, wait, who's Rene Ricard? Start oh at the God, beginning. Fuck you. Uh, that's why I didn't. That's why I, ooh, I hit my face. Don't reference things if you don't want. I know. I'm sorry. Tell it everyone. quickly. You don't have to make it. Rene Ricard thing. was an artist, a poet, a writer, uh, flaneur, gadfly, like a crazy person. <laughs> um, but he he was part of Andy Warhol's factory. He was um, the sort of poet laureate of the 80s downtown scene basquiat uh julian schnabel those folks Mm -hmm. um so he talks about when he was a kid he was in a museum and saw this warhol i believe it was a flower one and he basically just like sat transfixed and then the guard was like the museum's closing and then he's like i'm gonna run away from home and join the warhol circus (laughs) (laughs) but he literally did um and i remember like telling that story because i met him and that's kind of what the article that I wrote that was quoted in the New York Times <laughs> magazine. You can um, read the full article on Art or DSC. Um, but he talks about that as like that's when he like knew he wanted to be in the arts. Um, and you're like, how can you really sit in front of that? But I was like looking at this small black and white photo of this cactus and it was just like, I don't know. It's like when you're really thirsty and you don't know the next time you're going to get water and you're like, how much should I drink at the fountain? Yeah. And you're just staring at it and you're like looking and looking and really like, I don't know, yeah, having I go, a relationship with an image. My eyes go in like saccades. I like, I feel like I need to like caress it with yeah. my eyes and like, like I need to go back and forth so that I can like absorb it yeah. <laughs> into my eyeballs. Yeah. And it's, then I know exactly what you're talking about. And so this one had all, it all sounds these. insane. Yeah. And it was just this beautiful image and it had all these subtle shadows and shapes and, you know, it made this like plant look foreign and alien and architectural and just all this stuff and then i'd like sort of take a break because then there was this other image that was like 
kind of advertisement and it was kind of the opposite and that it was like super stark black and white and it was like toothpaste with like from like 1930 um and it was like on a mirror and it had the brush and the toothpaste in the background was black and it was just this beautiful deep shiny glossy silver gelatin black and the text was so crisp and i like that one a lot too secondary to the cactus but i kept going back and forth and i almost like left the exhibition i'm like oh, i don't care if this makes me look like an idiot and i like, turned around and went back in because <laughs> it was in the last room and i just like stared at the those two particularly the cactus for just like a really long time I, it's and that so, was the best thing in venice it's so funny to me that photographs are what got you usually yeah. hate photographs no no well, no wait a second no this is not Maurizio Catalan's giant inflatable cactus that was at the Venice Biennale this year. <laughs> this is a different cactus. Was that this year? I didn't see no cactus. <laughs> I mean, it just in photographs. Are you sure the photograph you saw wasn't of an inflatable ca- cactus? No, it, it most definitely was not. Uh, bordered on either side by a pair of giant white testicles. Are those sombreros? I can't see it. There's a beer bottle in front <laughs> oh of it. Oh, my God. Oh, eggs. Oh, that yeah, that wacky guy's always up to something. Uh, it looks terrible. Um, no, it was not that. But I don't know. I started to think about all this different stuff, particularly the photography. It made me, you know, the photographs of factories and buildings. And I was like, holy shit, there's this whole lineage that goes to like Baron Hellebesher uh, and their sort of taxonomy of, of factories and towers and... With these cacti that different artists were photographing and painting, and think of this uh, photographer Carl Blossfeld, who took these beautiful photos, like in the turn of the 1900s, of like different kind of plants and finding all this like geometry and order in nature, and like they almost look like Bechtel photos of like water towers, but it's like a tiny bud on a dandelion or something, but it's mm. presented as this like enormous dome. Um, but then leading into the toothpaste and stuff and thinking about like Christopher Williams and then sort of like, Oh, here's this lineage and sort of, I don't know, like Christopher Williams, like someone you're into in grad school and then you just like get more and more annoyed and you're like, (laughs) and so it was sort of like, Oh, this is what Christopher Williams is just trying to get that feeling. Yeah. Like when you're younger, an artist and you just want to emulate an artist, like you want to make, like you want to make a work that makes you feel the way this artwork mm-hmm. by this artist makes you feel when you look at their work. Yeah. And I, I think hate... that's what Christopher Williams photographs are about. And it's not and the captions are just a, a MacGuffin. T- <laughs> Teachers always make you do emulation projects in photography. And it's funny that you said that because um, as an example, one of my professors was like, oh, I had a student who did a project emulating Bernhela Becher. And she took a pictures of sex toys. <laughs> it was just like, that was probably terrible. Were they like giant decommissioned sex toys I, in post-war Germany? I don't know, man. <laughs> Were they black and white? I don't I know. I hope so. I hope so. Well, anyway. I mean, I think that is a pretty clever... That doesn't have fit to... the Bechers, though, because... I mean, it's unless like, it's about taxonomy. Those, those emulation projects are kind of stupid. Yeah. Someone should like do an that. emulation project, like about video game emul- emulators on the internet. That is so net art. <laughs> no, but they'd be black and white photographs of 
ColecoVision or something. Oh, I did that. <laughs> Wait, Ow. you did? You made an emulator? Um, yeah, so I was super into those photos. Yeah. Uh, well, good. I'm glad because photos are the best. And I've been trying to. Tell well, you no, that I was thinking months. that there. That the, the I, no, but dead, it did. It, shut up. <laughs> I know. Okay. I know. Okay. Okay. I can't even say anything else other than that. You're right. Oh. No, it's not though. I I would say. Uh, well, painting today is dead. I don't know. Today specifically. On this day. Oh. No, when you well, that I mean, that was sort of the thing I was saying about seeing the Charles ratio in Zurich, and then it spits you out in like blue period Picasso and like some of the best Paul Clay paintings, mm-hmm. and so good the Kunsthaus Zurich, and you're like, on the one hand, you're like, these are paintings are now over a hundred years old, which is also weird to think of like something painted in 1907. Because I used to live in the 1900s, and that was like, oh, this is art made this century. It made me feel more connected to it. Now I'm like, this shit's more than 100 years old. Mm-hmm. And I was born last century. I'm more than 100 years old. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I'm a living That's like fossil. why I had like seriously an emotional experience in the Anquara show where I saw mm. all the days that he was alive, and I was like, I'm not even. I wasn't even alive for that long in that century, and it's like yeah. just represented by a tiny line on one calendar. Oh yeah, yeah. That's insane. It's like within you, without you. It's like took up two pieces of paper. That was it. Yeah. Like I probably won't live to see the next century. Yeah, or it's like that scene is that in in Vertigo where they're in the redwood forest and they have that huge. Um, the Gulf Stream waters, this land was made for you and me. No, uh, in Vertigo, the Hitchcock classic. Oh, and the circles and the rings. Yeah, the and tree. they're like, this is, but they have really weird. But dates that was where taken like, from that was taken from La Jete. Um, well, people are cinema out cinemaing each other. <laughs> <laughs> this is Vertigo. Okay, I think Vertigo was made first. It was not. Vertigo is nineteen fifty-eight. Oh, some 2,000 years or more. The oldest living things. Yes. You've never been here before? No. What are you thinking? All the people who've been born and have died while the trees were not living. Their true name is Sequoia's Hippovirons. Always green, ever living. I don't like them. Why? Knowing I have to die. Yeah. For this conversation, it's like we planned that. There's a cross section of one of the old trees that's been cut down. Yeah, exactly. Can you read the different dates to us, Andre? 1215, Magna Carta signed. 1066, Battle of Hastings. Oh, yeah. 909 AD, the tree is initially sprouted. <laughs> Now we're going the other direction, 1776, Declaration of Independence, 1930, tree cut down. Ugh. Somewhere in here I was born. And there I died. It was only a moment for you. You, you took no notice. Oh, and they also had some good gravel sound effects, too. <laughs> So Whoa. I feel like we shouldn't say anything after that. That was art in and of itself. So that's the end of Act Two. 
Yeah. The nitty gritty. Yeah. Act three. Reflections. <laughs> um. So the stuff I like. So that was the cool art. Uh, and the Biennale. I mean, I did see the thing I really liked in Venice Biennale was the Albanian Pavilion. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me. Of which you got a catalog. Yeah. Well, okay. So exactly. It's the same experience where I spent so much time there. So it was called A Series of Devious Stratagems. And it was the work of Armando Lulage, which I will ask Google Translate (laughs) to pronounce for me. Um, So I was really into that work, too, into that pavilion, um, which was in the Arsenale. So they were one of the country's pavilionless countries. So they had a space in this group space called the Arsenale. I'm still not quite sure how this shit's all organized because they hired like a guy to be the Venice Biennale guy. Um, it was Okway. In Weezor. In Weezor. Which is probably also not how you say that. I I was I was just explaining how to pronounce it on Friday and I've already forgotten. Uh, do they have one for that on YouTube? <laughs> Oh my god, we Maybe. should create one. What pronunciation? Guides? Yeah, we well, you know how they have the like Scudenfruden for Schadenfreude or Schlavlavlilek. So you could have Oakwee and Weezor. Weezer. I think it's N Weezor. Oakwee and Weezor. No. Weezer. Uh, Buddy Holly? <laughs> That's our clip for that. Um, so he's the artistic director, whatever that means, because then each country yeah, is like in charge of their pavilion. But well, then he has this big yeah, because it's the same with Documenta. They have an artistic director. They don't have a curator. Yeah, but they have an artistic director, and then they like pawn their shit off on other people, and then they all get together and take credit for it. And then you're like, oh, it's the same sixteen fucking artists and all the other ones you did, because that the uh, Documenta lady is doing the Istanbul Biennial right now, and it's got like mm-hmm. all the same people from Documenta that she She's had so in cool. the Sydney Biennial. You're the Sydney one who Biennial. told me to take t- took me to see her speak. Yeah. I've seen her speak again since then. Yeah, but I was into her before you, and now I'm into hating her before oh you. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm a hipster, except for art which and culture in an elite way, so it means <sighs> I'm a elitist. Oh, my God. Um, No, but it is... It is. I mean, that's a thing that's a problem, though, where curators, and like they just kind of find there are certain people they work with over and over again. Yeah. And that's nice if it's you're like, one of the artists you know, that gets picked like, up. Uh, but directors. They do the same thing. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, well, I mean, yes and no. But you mean it's just like yes the, and all absolutely the same people. No. Although I was thumbing through this catalog and I'm like, I've never heard of any of these people. And whenever I've never heard of any of these people, I feel so overwhelmed. I'm like. Yeah. It's so vast. These people are in the Venice Biennale already, and I've never heard of them. So I'm like seven rungs, 17,000 rungs down the ladder from them, and yeah. no one's ever heard of me. And it just but that's seems what they so want you to feel. They want you to hate yourself. I, well, they, if I, you, it's so easy to they let you, Yeah, but then you're like, oh, well, they just pick. But the people they highlight are the people they're always working with. I guess, but it, yeah, it's just, it's like... It's the sublime, uh, like the mathematical sublime. No, <laughs> like, like it just go. It's like infinite and just. What like kind of math are you practicing, Santeria? You know, like you know the the like infinity, like the concept of infinity. Yes. It's it, like there's just an infinite number of artists, and they're all like 
doing stuff and, and they're no, all gonna make it <laughs> there's no time for me to do stuff too there's well that's why you place that's why you can't look and to... i'm a i'm a white american person i should shut up because yeah. enough white americans well but you'll never stuff. get in the biennale that way because that was one of the things i noticed was there were people from all these like far off like third world countries that then they now live in brussels or berlin <laughs> so and it was really like, really, dude, like you fucking went to Berlin for one weekend and then picked all, and you're like, shit, I can get everyone from the world here. I just have to go to one neighborhood. Mm. I just have to go to Moabit. Zing. I don't get it. <laughs> it was, it's just, it was kind of, it became kind of trite to me at a point where you're like, oh, this person's from Nigeria, but then they spent all this time in Berlin and then that's how they made it and now they went back to this other country or something you know what i mean like it was yeah there's a lot of third world disaster tourism too because like then the people that were white or european or you know mm-hmm. established it was like well they spent a lot of time in a really far off uh impoverished country and made like a film about it or yeah it's hired like, the locals to like, like do like something new, um uh what am i trying to say like orientalism or like um yeah yeah, yeah actually you're right it is exactly that except it's with our vernacular right. which is either uh some sort of documentary practice or uh having those people make shit and then you just like show it as your stuff yeah like like Rickrit having the anonymous he is he by the way is Thai but like having this anonymous uh, Thai artists, as they're called, uh, hired to draw pencil drawings, and then it's his artwork. Right. So there's a lot of outsourcing. I mean, yeah. Or like Hinoki. Right. It's fucking Hinoki ain't got shit on these motherfuckers. Yeah, that's not so bad. Uh, Hinoki. Um, should I get on my list of observations or talk about the stuff I liked? I guess I get more. No, it's more entertaining when I hate stuff. Yeah, observations. I want the real snark, like the pure, unadulterated. I hate this. Uh, so there's this one artist, Taryn Simon. Taryn, uh, with Andre, we saw that in New York. The photos where it was like man declared dead or something. I didn't really get it. It was like. Uh, the thing in New York, it was like they look the the ads look really good in art forum. <laughs> Every ad looks good in art forum. Uh, they look good when I saw them in Berlin, and it was the same show. It traveled from the Neue National Gallery in Berlin. This is I. You know what, Jerry Saltz? You can hashtag me white privilege because it's just me talking about all the places around the world I've been and how much all the art <laughs> I've seen sucks. It's like it sucked in Zurich and it sucked in Chicago. And it sucked in Berlin, and it sucked in New York. <laughs> but to it's be f- true. But, uh, I mean that's but that's what all the art. I mean that's but it's even worse when you're in the like you're a professional being paid by art form, like because that's all. I mean that's what it is now. Is just I, I'm like I don't know where these people get this money to do this like you're a freelance writer in new york and then you're just gonna instagram all this and then be like well then i had to go to art basel and then i had to go to art basel miami beach and then i was in brussels for this and like Mm -hmm. it's all traveling and then you know it's not life it's not real life people visiting these places to see stuff that's not from that place 
I guess, but you that's what you just did, and that was your real life. Yeah, but then what I'm saying is, like, my experience of Venice was more interesting than the art, but then all these people talk about is, like, how... I mean, they don't how interact fucking, with real. They don't interact. They, they don't just, ever interact with real life because they're just always going around fucking thinking about how they're gonna further entrench the work of Rick Ritt, Teravenese, or any other artist aestheticizing the critique of labor, right? In a in an unself examined way because they're working on that essay on the plane and in their hotel or whatever. And even if they do enjoy the city around them, they never talk about it. They're, well, they're yeah, like, I, I mean, need to I need to cite more essays by whoever so I can um, yeah, know, further I think, describe this thing that no one reads. No one. And so I can fucking waste pages in art form and then blah, 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 blah. I mean, <laughs> I'm an you, you might you might be getting a little bit cynical, but I I do think like like I said, I haven't really been to a lot of art fairs, but it's like the most surreal. It's not even real art life. Like it's well, just this, the most surreal experience well, and this overwhelming experience. And it makes me hate everything. So yeah. Well, this, so it's okay, not so even this, like normal looking at art. It's like weird looking at art. No, well this is, this isn't an art fair. It's a, it's the it's biennial. It, yeah. It's as, it's as much market driven, but it's like, it's not the art fair has the virtue of being upfront about this all being about money and sale and right, it's like whatever. A, Whereas this is like, this is the thing they're in. Like so then shopping. when they're, this when, is like thinking when June in June, they're brought to art Basel. They can be like, Oh, well they were in the last Biennale or this, yeah, this piece was yeah. shown in the last Biennale. Yeah. Um, but this is a little bit, it, it's a little bit, it's not as market driven where you're like, this is clearly to sell it. It's, you know, they get to do, different stuff um and so the idea is that you're like taking a sample of what art's about now Mm, so maybe it makes sense that they have all the like hot people or whatever but it's also it's it's impossible now (laughs) yeah but but it's also impossible to view it and i mean it and and certainly for me because i really do take a long time and i mean i look at stuff whether i like it or hate it like i spend a lot of time Mm -hmm. and so i like did literally have the anxiety where i'm like it opens at 10 a.m but i'm not going to get there that early and then it closes at six i don't know if i'll be able to see this whole thing so I spent like right. two full days, like two full work days on my feet in two venues. I didn't even get to the satellite venues. And, and it's I'm also like, this is too much. Yeah. Because then if it's you were like to overwhelm, overwhelming amount of choice yeah. or something or like cacophony of. Yeah. And then, you know, I feel like, I mean, it's ideas. art. This is this is my thing. So I'm like, well, these pieces, I'm going to give them time and consideration, even if I don't like mm-hmm. them. Um, well, I think I mean, I always think that there's only so many things you can see per day anyway because right yeah at a certain point you get burned out yeah you get oversaturated um and that, so you what know, is this how is this designed like what's the ideal viewing of the venice biennale is it like you go there for the entire run and you see like one pavilion per day no i don't know maybe have a week and your friends are there so you can like decompress or something i really like mm-hmm. that i i was that i was there and it's closed on monday so i'm also like how the fuck are you closed on monday you're only up for a few months every two years and like, oh, we can't do Mondays. That's too much. <laughs> um, but then that forced me to go see the Museo Correre that had the the Weimar artwork, but it also had all kinds of awesome other historical stuff. And then I went to the Doge's Palace and all this other sh- history shit. And that was, I mean, I like going to Biennale, but I also equally like just fucking going to museums and stuff. I'm that right. kind of guy. You like vacation is what you're saying. 
No, but no, no, <laughs> no, because in the same I way know. that I'm with art, I'm like taking forever in the museum and I'm yeah, like, oh, yeah. but in that time you're like, oh, this is a fucking prison that Casanova was in, like literally. Wait, he was real? I thought he was like Robin Hood. No. Well, Robin Hood, no, wait, no, that was, Robin of Loxy was still made up, I think. <laughs> no, Casanova Johnny was Apple real. Johnny Appleseed is real. Yeah, Jack, Giacomo Casanova. Ooh. I highly recommend this serious, surreal Mindfuck with David Tennant as Casanova on the BBC. I wonder if I've seen that. That shit blew my mind. So bizarre and fantastic. Um, Okay, so what what were your observations? Uh, So the Tyrion Act Four? What are we up to? Observations. Acting up and acting out bad kids. Bad kids with bad parents. Um, So I just mentioned the one artist because I believe Tyrion Simon is a her this artist uh so the show we saw in New York it was something like a man twice declared dead or something and Mm -hmm. it was really tiny portraits in these really big frames that were kind of yellow and lit up and then it was something about this guy that got declared dead by accident in a like India or something Mm -hmm. and they're like you can't sell your property you're dead Mm -hmm. and then you're like this story sounded much more interesting before I started reading your art Mm -hmm. which is photography hey um, no, but I'm, it's like, it's a photographer and then there's small photographs and then there's a paragraph under it. And I'm like, I'm reading oh, your I art and it's fucking boring. Do that. I don't like too much text. Yeah. But unless it's a really good story <sighs> and you're like, you don't know how to tell a story. Too long. So, did not read. Yeah. So these, these were like, this artist went through all some sort of like UN resolutions or something. And they always take photos in front of flowers and they researched the flowers and blah, blah, blah. And took photos of the flowers and so on. And then they pressed them in these books and they had, they were partnering. Yes, that's it. I don't know if Nina can see it. I can't. Anyway. Blah. Um, I'll look at it later. And, you know, they're partnering with bookmakers and botanists and shit. And then I was, so my criticism of that was what makes art interesting is the way the artist does it, not the proper professional way the people they outsource it do. <laughs> like, because an artist will have an idea and like I want to see the way an artist on their own makes a fucking janky pressed leaf book not the way a pressed leaf book is made when they partner with like a botanist and a bookmaker at whatever university Mm -hmm. like it's that eccentricity that's interesting to me yeah well and sometimes well I you know we've talked about like artists trying to be scientists and then they just are bad at it but I do think that like as far as materials go sometimes not having proper knowledge of how to do something that is the creative part because you do it differently yeah, than someone exactly. who knows how would do it. Totally. Um, there's a category in a gross... Uh, this is more of an art idea, so I'm not going to say that out loud. It's one of my ideas. Um, they said most painting and drawing seem to be by outsider artists. There were some insider artists, but their paintings were like super boring. Um, woman slicing pages of a book open oh woman slicing pages of a book open and then reading single sentences on each page in silence while a group of singers perform a choral art yeah i was just like this is really like happening too many things these were two separate pieces two oh. separate performances happening at the same time but i was just like i this is too much because it was like a woman paid to sit at this desk and like because you know how like books when they get uh, certain a certain style of binding there it's like a huge sheet folded so the signatures are stuck together and they either 
do a gang cutting to slice them off or you get that nice deckled edge if you slice each page apart individually. Mm, mm-hmm. um, so that's how those books were bound by this artist team for whatever reason. And this person would slice them open and then they would like read the page but not say it out loud. And then I was watching the woman doing it and I'm like, there's no way she's reading it. I mean, it's just a sentence, but you're still turning the pages way too fast. Oh. I was like, oh my God, this is just a job. And then I'm like, she's got like the McDonald's worker attitude, except you're at the Venice Biennale slicing pages. Book oh open. my God. But it was just so, but it was so mattered and so like performative, you know, it was like this huge bread knife or something, <laughs> this like serrated bread knife. Ugh. And then uh, these other artists, their piece was like a, cor- a coral, a corral. A choral, and then they're like, it's going to happen. This performance is going to happen. And so they were singing and walking around and singing. And then this, you know, group of gawking art tourists formed around them to watch them sing. And I was just like, oh, God, this is like like a sketch comedy from the 90s idea of art. <laughs> like, oh, they're all in black leotards and they're singing. And then this woman's and then in the corner, there was a woman slicing pages of a book open in silence. <sighs> I just, I don't like performance. I like visual art. I like beautiful objects for rich people to buy. Yeah, I looked at all those performances. None of them were that cute. Uh. Uh, oh, yeah, this is for realsies. Lots of videos of people working with their hands. <laughs> okay, I love how hands look in film, though. Yeah, but it's all with the underscore, like, That's why that this Bruce is about Nauman labor. thing is so cool. Oh, yeah. There's some good uh, Yvonne Rayner hand videos. Um, but this is all about like working with their hands. Like this is an old woman's arthritic hands at a factory uh. in somewhere. One of those loser countries. <laughs> oh. oh, no. I mean, that's what I feel but like. Yeah, all, I feel I like all the artists, like when they're like talking to the people they hire to make their art for them, they're all like fucking... <laughs> Moses lack trying to be like, oh, I couldn't have killed him. I was uh, doing charity work for uh, one of them loser countries. <laughs> Where they're like, but yeah, no, I, I do think like, that's interesting because they're like trying to have this like Marcus connection to work and or like some kind of statement about that. But then they like probably, first of all, it's a, f- a film, yeah, uh, which is made with a machine, and then they hired yeah. someone else to make it. So yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah. And, but and they're like on the phone, they're like. They could not be more removed they're like, from the means of production. Uh, they're like talking to their assistant, like, get on the phone and uh, call my cinematographer. I got to make a video for one of them biennales. Role. Yeah. They're like, oh, we got to go to one of them loser countries and make a biennale video installation. And, and I'm Mike from New Jersey. <laughs> um, no, I don't. That I didn't mean insult with that uh uh shitty accent i just meant the insult of like casual disaster tourism yeah um so i did this next discussion this next note is i'm trying to be specific and glib at the same time <laughs> lots that sounds like you lots of stuff about africa other rural non-white places with populations descended from africans so i was trying to like specifically explain like it's sort of like going all over the world to find post-colonial stuff to be the subject of your film or whatever and then Mm. bring it to the Biennale as a work which I think can be that could be a whole dissertation of problematic things Mm -hmm. 
lots of artists from exotic places who made it out based in Berlin or Belgium, but they're from Iran, Nigeria, and so on. Even the artist representing New Zealand, but I don't remember where he was actually from or why I said that, but <laughs> he's not just like some white New Zealand guy. He's He's got a cool story too. Um, and then this, this was written somewhere <laughs> on one of the artworks. We protest against the deprivation of basic human thought. Or maybe I misquoted that and I thought that was a better quote. Um, this is the overall impression. I mean, do you think that's a good quote or you were making fun of it by writing it down? I can't tell. I can't either. And I can't tell if I, th- yeah, if I thought it was a good quote or I misquoted it and then I thought my misquote was better. So I'm just going to put that out there into the world and do with it what thou wilt. Uh, so then the observation I had was protest and revolution is completely impotent. It doesn't even have an aesthetics because the look of protest art is even more out of touch than protest. Um, that was just, I mean, that was just looking at so much like this is protest art. Uh, the one that really got it to me, it was like a series of costumes of people that protested like Putin being elected in Russia. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I'm like, why, why is this here? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I mean, I understand, I think pro- protest is a good thing and you should exercise your freedom of speech, but what it didn't work because Putin is basically like bringing back, like he's bringing, he's bringing back capitalist communism, right? Like mm-hmm. authoritarianism, but communism or oligarchy or however you want to say it. So yeah, that's a problem. They protested. It didn't work. Um, but mm-hmm. what we put their like fucking funky clothes in the Venice Biennale, like what the fuck does that do? That's and it just seemed point. like the yeah. saddest, most depressing thing ever. And I'm like, and it doesn't function as art because they were like making wacky outfits to be causing a scene in public in Moscow and wherever else they were protesting. They weren't thinking about it sculpturally to show up in Venice and it seems as is outmoded as like the ideas of like people are like, we just have to be harder communist and like think more about it and mm. go further back in time. Interesting. Um, and there was well, just, the best protest art like that, that I saw was a burned LeBron Jersey. Yeah. In a, in that show at the museum of contemporary photography. Yeah. I thought that was great. It is pretty great. But then you know what? He fucking went back to Cleveland and those yeah. fucking battered, battered spouse were like, we love you, LeBron. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for coming back. We forgive you. So maybe that is just as impotent. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just. And then so, you know, I mentioned that, like, there's the brick that says don't work. And then they had like, I mean, I made it. I didn't talk to a guy named Giovanni. I was just trying to make it sound like NPR. But there literally was this stack of a thousand X number of bricks that's based on the average number of bricks it takes to build like a cheap Chinese house with in Chinese character never work, which is like a situationist quote embedded in there. And then there was a fucking guy whose job was to sit there and every time someone donated 10 euro, he would like say, which brick do you want? And then he'd wrap it up for them. Wait, so did you get one? No. Because you were too cheap to uh, pay 10 euro? Because I was like... I don't want to pay 10 euro to literally have a brick to put in my luggage that's probably going to make it then have the over 25 kilo fee. And I I bought that, a rock from a vending machine. Where is your sense of commitment? 
in in well, and in that sense, that makes it a good artwork that he's like, I'm gonna fucking get these fucking cultural tourists to literally buy a brick and put it in their luggage. <laughs> but also the idea that it's like it's free. You just have to give a uh, a voluntary compulsory ten dollar donation <laughs> to it. Um, and then this other stolen one that yeah. would have been art. I'd have been like, yeah. Well, how how would you approach that? Would you just grab it and run, or would you like lie that you donate? Like just put like fold up a piece of paper that looked like a euro and put it in the <laughs> box, and then make that guy work for nothing Ooh. on top of whatever he's dealing with um you would do that with the paper and i would grab a, a brick while you were distracting him no but you can't just grab a brick because you would point it out and he would take it and then he'd wrap it in like brown paper like it was this valuable piece of meat or uh mm. it, it was really i mean it was beautiful and artistic to see him wrap it mm-hmm. as you know you and i would appreciate that hell yeah we would <laughs> i was like good job <laughs> oh man we should have fucking got that job we should have been exploited all summer in Venice. Damn it! Like fucking resume. Ugh. We we like we, we were we, in the Venice Biennale. Yeah. We we were the, we're the brick wrappers. Yeah, we wrapped up those bricks. Remember? Yeah. Um, Next two years from now. But there was another another piece that had the thing where they had it was like this square of books that were kind of cool of ephemera, and then it was all just Spanish anarchist flyers. <laughs> And they're like, this book is free, but you need to donate 10 euros oh, to my God. to my campaign to build an archive and library of these Spanish <sighs> anarchist things. And I was like, God, you're fucking crowdsourcing in the Biennale. And the fact that two people did that. Also, like. That's just like, oh, my God, fuck you. Where's the Kickstarter? Like, right. Uh, and I was that's like, the least anarchist thing I could ever think I of. I know, right? And then, they, oh, God, I was just like, this is beautiful in a way you don't understand like oh and it wasn't that cool it was all black and white too and i guess 10 euros isn't that bad for a huge black and white book but it's all in spanish and it was about anarchy <laughs> two things i don't care about <laughs> not even in color oh. um Couldn't spring for the color printing no so i was just like i don't why why is this happening i'm like it was also like if you didn't print these books like you could have just but then no one would have known about it. Oh. It's like CrossFit. <laughs> um, uh. This is for real. Uh, I mean, I feel like I've you people could say this having just guessing, but this is also an accurate description. Highly produced cinematic videos of people sitting around and saying obtuse political proclamations. <laughs> that just was a given. It I, was, I didn't it, add that in with my description of what I thought it was like, but that was it. But that I wrote that after observing those things, not assuming they'd be there. <laughs> um, they are totally against Stalin, but real into Marxism and hating capitalism in a convenient way. Don't even seem to care about how hypocritical they are. No. So there's a lot of stuff like that. Nobody that was... seems to care how hypocritical <clears throat> they are. Not even me. Well, and I, I feel bad I missed it, but apparently Karl Marx literally was in the Biennale yeah, somewhere. Yeah, I saw that in the catalog. It was like, you know, whatever artist. It was like, and it was stuff, the, I lo- and then it was like, it was, it was the like, like colophon from, Mutu, and then like Karl Marx. Yeah, it was like, back a, from the dead. It was like, must crush capitalism. <laughs> 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 oh. Wait, that was Lenin. Yeah. 
No, so that's the thing is there's <laughs> there I I would be interested in in investigating the sort of schizophrenia of there's sort of this fashion fashionable thing of Marxism and like being into Marx and Marxism and being like I'm going to start a reading group where we all read Das Kapital. <laughs> and you know what was in the fucking bookstore? What? Das Kapital. Ah, like literally like I was like book group. I was like I was just like fuck <laughs> um i was just like are you are you all this fucking stupid and they're like yes <laughs> i don't know how i feel about you Stop. saying that stupid it's just like but i'm just like do you think anyone at I any know. point was I'm like do you like, think this is weird you... that we have das capital for sale in the bookshop <laughs> like uh... i don't know can't we have like Oh, well, you can have it for free, but you have to wash a toilet and feel alienated. I don't know. I don't know what <laughs> Karl Marx would want us to do. I don't know what he'd want us to do. It'd probably be something. What I is mean, alienated labor again? I don't know. What's a good example of that? Like, uh, like a guy like wrapping bricks, wrapping bricks, working in a factory, <laughs> like someone who makes iPhones in a Chinese factory, but has oh. no interest or even knowledge of what a smartphone is. Oh, well, no. Isn't it like someone they don't even make an iPhone. They make one component component. So they don't ever even see the whole. No, but then that doesn't allow for the master slave dialectic. Well, I just think Karl Marx wanted people to be happy, but like Marxists are the least happy people I've ever well, met. Well, I just they're they're to me a similar brand of like make America strong again or whatever. Like it's idealizing this like past that didn't exist in this thing where it's like, well, if we could just go back and be more conservative and more Christian, then the then like all the shit that started happening in the late fifties and then into the sixties and then um desegregation wouldn't happen and America Jeez. would be fine. And they're sort of the liberal one where like, well, if we just like fucking went translate like, this Marx book harder. We went harder. back to like guilds and stuff. Yeah. And then like there was just like craftsmen and then the world was. Well, and they're like, if we just like I really have direct democracy, farming. like really force everyone to vote about everything. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's just like, like we got to go harder. village with like a. Yeah, like it just seems like it's like we got to dig in and be more retrograde and more hard, hard line. So there's that one thing and that sort of fashionability of like, we'll do whatever you're doing, but just like put labor in the title. Because there were like literally things in there that were like shit with labor in it. Like, um, or there's people that grew up under that like harshly and they're like, this shit's really fucked up. But then sometimes they're like, that's just because we did it wrong. It wasn't Mark's fault. But I don't know. I am feeling hypocritical and I don't know how to um, reconcile it because I've just been sort of frustrated with how the same alternative people are. Yeah. Like they're like, we're alternative, but all in the exact same way. Like yeah. they dress in the same kind of style and they all have the same like green hair or whatever. What's well, reactionary to, to one thing? It's reactionary. Right. So it's like defined in opposition to whatever the thing. But then I'm like people with red hair. I guess the opposite is green. <laughs> people, I'm wearing, you know, you know those people with red hair and white clothes. Fuck them. I have got green hair and black clothes. But I'm just like wondering what is the middle ground between being alternative and basic, and like, is there a middle ground, or I'm just being judgmental of everyone? Being acidic, like I am. Okay. Um, I'm like I don't know. I'm wearing a sweater from the Gap or whatever, but I'm not like those other girls who. <laughs> wear you're not because you're thinking about it. 
Okay. You're self-aware. I mean, I know this is awful advice, but it is true. Uh, be yourself. <laughs> okay. Will do. I'm Ira Glass. <laughs> um, Any last uh, observations before we wrap this up? Oh, I'm not done. Uh, of course not. Um, you don't have to read them all, only the good ones. No, so, yeah, it just, I noticed that it seems like in the past, well, maybe it's because you're in grad school and everyone just criticizes everything and overthinks everything all the time. But it seemed at this point where they're like, not even, there's like, we're not bothered by any sort of hypocritical or problematic, like doing a thing about labor and then obviously having exploited labor, being involved in making it or being lazy about it. Like it was just like, eh, I don't really care. Like, and so that, that seemed remarkable that they're like, they didn't feel like the the work didn't feel like there was a necessity to explain it or be rigorous in its ideology mm-hmm. like it would gesture towards ideology and then not and then it felt like it was it was it had no fear of being called out right it was like this is about yeah. smart people things in society and then and then at one point it occurred to me i was like do everyday europeans talk this much about marxism <laughs> what if they do like just like when they're you know going to h&m would or you whatever. like to go get a coffee and they're like, and talk about Marxism. Talk about the proletariat? Yeah. Like, it's, I'm just like, I don't know. I, I'm guessing not because I don't think they're all like uh, sophomores in, in a liberal arts college with berets. <laughs> <laughs> um, Only some of them are. So this was for Hito Styla in the German pavilion. I love her. Um, But in general, a comment specifically on her piece, but of this kind of art I've seen a lot of. Uh, Andrea will remember the person we saw at Foxy Production that just had like s- stupid animations. That guy, uh, Jacob Siochi. I think so. Yeah. What um, um, what video is this? It was like here it is the internet or something. Like was that. it a fucking didactic .mov file? Probably. I don't I know. Saw was, that at MoMA. What was it like? A lot of animation, and you were just like, and, and like there were a people green dancing. Screen and how and... not to be seen. Yeah. Chapter one. Oh, I thought it was awful. And then I was just thinking, instead of high tech being used to promote companies or et cetera, because it has this like, we're at a trade convention feel, you know, like we're introducing a new style of mixed mixed reality at the at the architecture tech conference and concept car building, whatever, you know, like a trade show, a tech trade show. So saying instead of using to promote companies that develop this, it's just used to promote how sophisticated the tools the artist has access to and how sophisticated their understanding of geo political capitalism and popular culture is, which is not much. But it, it's you know what I mean? Like, it's very. Yeah. There were so I, many videos that were like, I, I do feel like that about art is like, I'm so smart. You will never hope to be as smart as me. And I'm like, you're and then probably they're like, right. I should I've read quit. Shakespeare. Like they just like list the like most known thing. Like I'm a filmmaker. I cite my sources. Uh, I was heavily influenced by Citizen Kane. Like, okay, good. <laughs> you know. Um, so it had that thing too, where they're like, we're a, like, you know, where it's like we're gonna be a we're gonna parody what we imagine a what a multinational global conglomerate is, and they're like. We love capitalism because we're so evil at evil global capitalism co. <laughs> like, I don't know. It just it just rubbed me the wrong way. It's 
Uh, and then there was Sarah Lucas, and everyone hated Sarah Lucas's pavilion at the British Pavilion. And I was like, why? This is all fucking bullshit. Why are you singling her out as bullshit? Because um, she had, like, all these, like, sort of balloon – they were look like limp balloon sculptures, so they're, like, big dicks and stuff. She's kind of a one-trick pony. She does, like, ready-mades, and they always are literally just, like, a dick and a pussy. So she's like <laughs> – like, no, like, it really is. It's like – it was like those dick balloons that my friend got for her bachelorette party. <laughs> and she pointed them the wrong way. These were really confusing bachelorette dick balloons because I thought they had balls, but they didn't. And it was like, which side's up? Who needs to know? <laughs> That's what she said. Um, so then she had like a lot of uh, other things she'll do is stuff with cigarettes or like parts of body parts cast out of concrete and stuff. And so I'm look going through the pavilion. And I then tried I, to do that as an undergrad. Yeah, I well, got stuff all over the bathroom. My roommates uh, were pissed. Concrete? No, like plaster. Oh man, you should have been casting concrete in your bathroom. That would be fucking cool. <laughs> um, that would have been dangerous. So there was an adolescent girl from America uh, with her friend. So I also think that's weird and cool when you're like, what the who who fucking brought their 12 year old to the Venice Biennale? <laughs> um, that's cool though. It's cool, yeah. Um, but she's like, "What? Oh my god! Ew! Why is there a cigarette stuck there?" <laughs> and because it was like, uh, like a crotch with a cigarette in the vagina. Aww. And there's like another one where it was like a butt. Ew. <laughs> Which actually, I you know what? Now that I'm describing it, I had a I had a good laugh. Butt. Yeah, we we're just like, it's a. They're like, "What are you doing for the Venice Biennale?" And they're like, "I'm going to one of those loser countries and making a documentary." And then Sarah Lucas is like, I'm going to have a concrete butt with a cigarette in it. <laughs> and I'm representing England. Uh, I was going to be like, USA, USA. <laughs> but there's no English equivalent of that. I don't think so. So then there's a lot of ones where it's always, it's like a national pavilion from a European country, but one we don't hear that much about. So it's like sort of like the European equivalent of the state of Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> and so then they're always like, oh, we're, they always have a statement about how they're subverting nationalism and it's like uh-huh. invite artists from other countries. But it's like clearly a bid to be like, we're going to. Like, how can you subvert nationalism in, 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 in pavilions with national identity? Well, they invite people not from yeah, but Delaware. Then it's like so because it's like, welcome to the Danish pavilion where we only. Where, where no we have, Danish artists are. Where it's like, well, the Danish artist we picked said he wouldn't put his own art in it, but then he picked his friends from other countries. <laughs> and then they're like, in a gesture towards subverting nationalism inherent in the modalities. <laughs> but then it's always it's always at the service of like, oh, see, we participate in the international contemporary art market. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's like, then we're just going to have. Oh, you said market. You got to go. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, no, but it, but I mean that's what they're saying. Where they're like, we're gonna subvert nationalism, but then we're like, pick, like this is gonna make us friends. Uh, I'm gonna, you know, like this will be a stepping stone, and we're gonna show art that like is art that broadcasts its compatibility with, you know, international contemporary art style. Right. Looks, uh, which, uh, for those of you at home who don't want to get through the art speak, it just means looks arty. Looks, looks like art. arty. Looks like art. Yeah, I'm glad I got to the adolescent quote. Then I just had too much to see, like work, tourists are mean, Venice is always cooler than the Biennale. 
Uh, there were a lot of mean tourists, and they weren't necessarily American. I think this comes from the fact of people not knowing how to say excuse me. Like what's like oh, literally like literally is, not knowing how to say excuse me. Yeah. No, where they're like, is, should I say it in my language or should I try to say it in Italian? I that is like the number one word. Like you should learn please, thank you, and excuse me in any language. Yeah. Because then when you're like walking around, you could be like you can slicha, slicha. That's how you say excuse me in Hebrew. Ah. Uh, or uh or in Italian, scusa me. Scusi. Scusi, that's like kind of the slang. No, I don't know. Isn't it like pardon or something? No, I think that's French, right? Pardon. Pardon. Entschuldigung is how you yeah. say it in yeah. German. Well, that's that's the shortened one. It's Entschuldigung. But that's then you shorten it to Schuldigung. Entschuldigung. Yeah, but they but slang wise you apostrophize it. Schuldigung, Schuldigung, yeah. Schuldigung. You don't say yeah. the ent. Um or you can just say excuse me because you're clearly not an Italian. USA. <laughs> well, USA. no, but 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 excuse me, people understand that, especially like I said, like in Italian. Yeah, well, it's, if you it say sounds pardon, then yeah. like that's in most languages. It's or like, sorry, or like. But people wouldn't say anything, and then what was hilarious uh, when I was first getting there and trying to get a ticket on the Vaporetto to take it to my hotel, um, there were a bunch of like English dudes backpacking and they had this corral you had to go back and forth to get to the ticket um window because none of my cards were working in the the quick pay thing i don't have a microchip in my card and they didn't work in europe um i do have to say none of none of the nothing worked like it was supposed to in italy you just (laughs) ended up having to use a magnetic strip with a person but in Zurich, I fucking bought tram tickets with my Apple Watch at the Whoa, station. Oh, that's hardcore. Yeah, so that was totally rad. I was blowing people's mind left and right. You were like in Schuldigung, Schuldigung. I was like, wunderbar. <laughs> I was like, alga dis. <laughs> um, so there was a dude standing there. Uh, and he had one of those huge backpacker backpacks that's like the size of a child. <laughs> and he they was have children stuffed in. He them. was like, yeah, he was like literally standing at the entrance of this corral. And I was like, excuse me, excuse me. And I was like, because I, I'd been on the train all day. I was kind of fighting off a cold, not in a good mood. And I was just trying to get in. And his friends were like, oh, oh, they're trying to get his attention. He's just like shooting off at the mouth in this English accent. And it's like, what are we gonna do, oi? Help, I'm in a nutshell. (laughs) This is me in a nutshell, or whatever Austin Powers would say. No, but like he was saying something. Like, you know what I mean? He was just like, what are we going to do? And blah, blah, blah. And I don't know where I'm going. Yeah. And he was like, Chevy Chase, tickets, where do we go? Let's go get rot pissed. Yeah. No, so he was just talking really loud. And it was like sort of in general to whoever was around him and he's like i don't know where i go for tickets and i'm like okay well this guy doesn't know what he's doing i need to get around him just buy my ticket which he's in line for and he's going on and i was like excuse me excuse me and his friends are like trying to get his attention and then i and i was like excuse me getting louder and i like tapped on his bag <laughs> and i like pushed it and then he's like what you don't fucking say excuse me or something like that and i was like <laughs> i did sir <laughs> And that's when Eric got into the international incident. I'm actually speaking to him from his prison cell right now. Yep, I'm on the run in prison. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a... You're in that treadmill prison. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) exactly. It's a CrossFit prison. (laughs) 
So oh, at I least didn't really you told us about it. Yeah. So I didn't really get to tell you how awesome the Albanian pavilion was, but it fucking ruled. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um okay. Are we ready to wrap up? Should we should I explain it? What what are we looking at? What do you feel? Should I? Should we just leave that as a mystery? How I feel really <laughs> shitty that I I've, I've been like really into the Albanian pavilion. All right, tell so us a little bit about it. That will be our wrap up. Okay, so it had a whale skeleton. Creepy. Awesome. Um, and then it had three films by this artist that you mentioned earlier. Armando Lulaj. Lul- uh, I apologize for pronunciation errors. Um, he did something interesting. I think. With video, because that is a question, like when you're presenting it in a coming going gallery type situation, how do you control viewing? Um, and so his three f- video films, whatever, I guess it doesn't matter anymore. It's all the same thing. It's like the mediums have merged. They're all Ooh. shot on red cam, but. What's a red cam? I don't know. It's like red tube. Wait, isn't that porno? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you shoot it on red cam and you load it on the. Um, I don't know. I just keep thinking it's an infrared camera, but it had all the are you colors. Allowed to, are you allowed to upload whatever videos you want to those like you porn sites? Could I, you just like put art videos on there? Oh, I, I secretly hope that one day surfing the internet for porn, I'll find that Andrea Fraser. Oh, like no. I fucked a collector video. No, you won't. No. Um, Andre, fun. what's Red Cam? RedCam is a digital camera company that produces modular digital cameras where you can switch out not just the lenses, but also the chips and other elements of the cameras. Cool. Sweet. And it's it's so uh, nerds. pretty good, pretty good res. Uh, very, very high-end cameras. Okay. It shows because these videos were crisp and they were tight. Fucking They're loved crispy them. Crispy chips. Yeah. So with the, three, with the three films, the three works... The three moving image, mm-hmm. the three lens-based artworks. Okay. <laughs> um, they would only show one at a time, so one would play all the way through, and then there's like two seconds, and then the other one would. How go. long were they? How long were they? Uh, between like eleven and twenty to thirty minutes. Mm. So and that that was the, so that was the other moment where I went through and I loved it, and I was like, I got to see the rest of the thing. And on the way back, I'm like, I'm just gonna watch until I have to leave. Um. And so I had that, you know, again, that moment of just being transfixed. And yeah, then, that's how I was with that Andrea Fraser video that I yeah. saw when I was at the Hamburger Bahnhof. I really, really pissed off my friend who wanted to go see other things. Yeah. And then also, and then I was really sad because I was like, I know how this is going to go and there's not going to be enough time to watch them all all the way through before the doors close. Um, but it had three videos um, from different moments in Albanian recent communist history. And they were also sort of about how Albania interacted with the world around it, whether it's the rest of the Soviet bloc or the world in general. So one of them was about this plane, this U.S. jet that lost like its navigation went out. So it was like trying to fly from London to Turin or something. And it accidentally went over Albanian airspace in the 60s and it was forced down. Uh, Albanian fighter jets were scrambled. Uh, and they forced it to land, and um, the pilot was later released, um, but he couldn't fly it back because I guess because of the hard landing, he was like, uh, "It's not, I can't fly again." 
and the Albanian government tried to return it to the U.S., but like we wouldn't return their phone calls or something <laughs> weird like that. How bratty. So the they ended up putting it on the roof of this museum in the hometown of Enver Hoxchat. How did how did the internet say it, Andre? It was Hosha, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, Enver Hosha. Hosha. Like with a J. Yeah. Hoja. Um, who was the head of communist Albania um, on this museum on the, the roof. Um, and then recently the Albanian government was like, well, we should just melt this down and do whatever with it. You know, we're, we're cause we want to have good relations with the U S now. <laughs> and I guess the U S ambassador, the U S state department was like, no, it's part of history. Like you shouldn't erase it or whatever. So mm. don't melt it down and destroy it. So the film is, kind of talking a little bit about that and the, the history of it. Um, and then we see someone kind of sneak in and like undo the tethers that keep it to the roof. And then they throw the sloop over it. And then this crane lifts it. And there's just from a filmmaking point of view, just some really beautiful shots. And one of the best ones is when the, one of the wheels uh, of landing gear lifts up out of the soil and like parts of the moss kind of cling to it. And it looks like a full circle but because of the decay or whatever, the rubber, you see that it's almost completely flat on the bottom. So it has mm. this like effect where you think it's going to be a whole submerged wheel, but it's really not. And then they lift it and it kind of it's just held in the air above this like sort of what looks like an abandoned town. And it's just kind of swinging in the breeze. And then they show a shot of the roof, you know, where it's grown in grass. And you see the kind of outline of the plane where it's had shade. And then there's just it's also like a really subtle comedic moment because then you see one of the wheels that's like upright <laughs> And it just doesn't stick to the plane, so they lifted it up, and then in the wheels just sitting straight up as though it's still attached <laughs> to the plane. And I don't know, it's just beautifully so- shot and really subtle. Hmm. Um, and then there's also a little bit of question of what's reality or not, because there's this whale skeleton, and it's supposedly from this incident where uh, Albania thought the Russians had a submarine in the ocean near them. Mm-hmm. And... So Albania wasn't really part of the Soviet bloc. Like they were their own communist enclave, hmm. which is pretty interesting. And um, in the catalog, which I was given because I spent so much time loving this exhibition, that was like <laughs> such like, a. You could fill a book with everything I don't know about Albania, and they yeah. did. Yeah, <laughs> and it was. I mean, it was just like yeah. You know, I'm an adult, but it was a cute little boy moment where because I'd asked the the girl running the the Albanian pavilion, like looking at the catalog and where I could buy it, and she's like, "What's in the bookstore?" and so on and then on the way back i spent all this time watching it and then it was like time to leave and then she caught me and she's like here you should have this you seem to really love the exhibition and i was like oh and so we was, found out later that that book was worth 24 euros so that's a pretty good deal but it clearly it did what it was for because it was like you know to give out to press or whatever and i'm talking about how awesome this exhibition there was there you go that's right um so anyway they torpedoed this whale by accident oh no <laughs> Oh my god! And so the whale ended up in a museum, but then it's like wow. the question of like, is it in the museum? Is this the real whale skeleton? Um, and the film for that is this really long cut where you can't. At first, you're not even sure if it's a still or not, and then you realize, okay, it's an empty scene on a train track. And slowly, this crowd comes through, and they're like, kind of carrying this whale skeleton, sort of like uh, in Chinese New Year, where you have multiple people operating uh-huh. a fake dragon, and they kind of carry it through town into this factory. And by fact, I mean history museum, <laughs> natural history, um, like the factory, like the history factory. 
And then the <laughs> the final one is Into about Warholian. So yeah, <laughs> totally. The final one is about this weird thing that Enver Hosha, according to Google Translate, um, on his hometown, he sort of so you know, there's a guy that wrote like on his rooftop, "Welp, welcome to Cleveland" or whatever to like scare people <laughs> flying into Milwaukee. Yeah, I saw that. So he did that, except like he just had this town, like paint all these rocks white and spell out his first name on the side of the mountain. (laughs) So like anyone flying over Albania would be like, this is Enver's country. (laughs) I wish I had that kind of power. And then, and then this is a part where you're like, is this part of the artist story or is this really true? But um, the new government like tried to get rid of it and they tried like blowing up the mountain and like trying to do all this stuff and they couldn't get rid of the boulders that spelled it out and then finally just overgrowth undergrowth you know it, re- mm-hmm. it was reclaimed into the mountain so then the artist restaged it and he had the the townspeople kind of uncover the rocks and then change the letters so it spells never now instead of enver Ooh. um i don't know i was just really they're all simple kind of things i like it because it's history they have interesting stories. They're well told. They're possibly documentary. You know, it's like it's playing with the form a little bit. And I it's don't know. It's so just... funny because it's like it has all the elements of the things that you hated. Um, I'm not. I'm right. And I guess those like those are the subtle movements that. Yeah. You know, because it's like it's documentary. It's about communism. Right. <laughs> it's about a tiny. <laughs> exotic yeah. country yeah i mean it's i don't know it's kind of funny well i mean i've one of my rules for art like some of the best art is the stuff where it breaks all the rules or like you're yeah it's like not it's not as a rule i hate communism or, well actually yeah. i love documentary i think that's why i get mad at stupid documentaries because it's one of my favorite mm-hmm. filmmaking forms like i like documentaries more than most narrative mm-hmm. for whatever reason and then you but you still have a ton of narrative in documentary right um, so maybe that's why I get annoyed because I'm like, if it's a good documentary, I fucking love it. But if it's not, then it annoys me. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're so yeah. So you're observing things that you usually hate about art, and then that makes art that does that and wins you over that much more special. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, I mean, I don't hate. I hate impotent st- stylistic gestures towards communism or any subject matters, and this took it seriously and took it in a very interesting and unique direction. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't one of those where you can sort of guess what it's going to be. And then it just does that for you. This was like, what is this? Why is this happening? Why am I so captivated and so interesting? It was, mm-hmm. and I mean, that's, you know, that's good filmmaking, good storytelling. Right. Right. It's, a, it's interesting. It's a yeah. lot to think about. All right. So you think about that listeners um you should email us what you think uh and what you hate about (laughs) art (laughs) um at i don't hate this at gmail.com um you can follow us on twitter at i don't hate this and instagram also at i don't hate this um and i've got one last plug (laughs) what plug away the the final highlight was uh a book which is available at Urban Outfitters, but not the MCA bookstore, <laughs> is available in both bookshops at the Venice Biennale venues. Nice. It's called Academy X Lessons in Art in Life, and that's the book I'm in. <laughs> so that was like 
Okay. The it's highlight. A book, <laughs> it's a book in which an essay that you wrote about. I interviewed. Tanya I interviewed the artist Tanya Bergera, which it originally appeared on Art Slant. I want to clear the water there. Um, and so she submitted it when she was included in that. So I don't know. I'm extremely honored to be a part of that book. I think it's an awesome project. It's a really good book. And it's just fucking cool to like go through this brutal six hour day or whatever of like art. And then you're like, Oh, thank God I have time to do the bookstore. Um, and then you're, you're in it sort of, you know, like you have your tiny little place next to all the other things going on. It just, I don't know. (laughs) You're like, you were saying you like, you know, the Royal, you like, we would all know what that's like. You know how when you, you know how when you, you know how when you're in a book published by Fina. You're like really tired and then you like go to the bookstore in the museum shop and you're just in it. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be an asshole. No, I, no. That's my epitaph on my tomb. No, I'm trying to. I'm trying I'm, to like shed yeah, nachas on you. Yeah. I think it's so cool, but um, yeah. may we all yeah. live to see that yeah. day is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Okay. And I know we're running long, but on that note. As per usual. As um, per usual. Um, I have a surprise for Nina. <gasps> so Surprises are my favorite thing. So luckily, um, they were smart in marketing, you know, and where museums like we close at six, but the bookshop will be open till seven. <gasps> so you have time to go through it. So. Um, perhaps not the best marketing in terms of branding of the Venice Biennale. I have a special gift to present to Nina if she closes her eyes and opens her mouth. Wait, my mouth or my hands? Your hands. Your hands. (laughs) I'll open my mouth too, just in case. (laughs) Okay, don't say anything. Don't do anything. Okay, Um, I'm not going to say or do anything. I'm going to have to take off my cans. Your cans? Um, your hands? Cans. That's what you call the headphones in the biz. That's correct. What? Okay. I'm learning something new yeah. every day. Okay. Uh, hold on. What was that? <laughs> Keep your eyes closed. Okay, open your mouth. Wait, really? Yeah, really. Uh, I'm scared. <laughs> You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Open your mouth. <laughs> Keep your eyes closed. So the thing in your mouth is your souvenir, and the other thing I just want to show you because it's funny. Okay, there you go. <laughs> it's all spit covered now. It's like a it's like a bar of soap. Oh, what did you get? It's an eraser from the 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 Biennale Arte, all the world's futures, which is like such a crazy title. I know. Cool. And then um, the thing he wants to just show me is uh, Venice Biennale yo-yo. <laughs> so this, I think this it's is supposed the... to be a griffin on it, but it looks like a No, it's, a, wing, it's a winged lion, the oh. uh, mascot of the city of Venice. And it works, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, except I'm bad at yo-yo. Cool. Well, I didn't so, want to put an eraser in my mouth, yeah. but I did anyway for comedy, even though this is an audio podcast. Um, <laughs> How did it... Uh, Thank you. So, yeah, I just thought you'd like an eraser that said all. All. It says all on the back. On one side, it says all. Like, erase it all. I'm so, going to erase it all. So that's part, partly thanks for taking care of my lawyer, blah, blah, blah. Yes. Who um, I was babysitting. And, of course, dear listener, remember, we will send you a rock. Uh, yep. Rock's still available for free. Yep. Uh, just email us at uh, I don't hate this at gmail.com. You know yeah. you want to. Or write free rock on a three by five postcard and mail it 
just send it out the window um (laughs) also if you're good at yo-yo make a video on instagram and tag us in it um i'm bad at yo-yo anyway thanks for listening Uh, i don't hate this this i don't hate this i love you bye